the day turns to night. 97.3 The Game isn't done talking about the teams you care about. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. You'll hear from the newsmakers and newsbreakers from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the world. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. This is the game night. Here's Doug Russell. And a good Tuesday evening to you. Welcome in. It's the game night for this March 29th, 2022. I don't always agree with my friend KB, and I think that's okay. I don't think people should agree on everything all the time ever. If you agree with somebody, genuinely, you should agree with them. If you disagree with them, as long as you're honest about it, I think that's all right. So I don't always agree with my friend KB, KB, Kevin Brand. But I was listening to the Drew and KB show earlier this afternoon. I think he's right on. When he said this afternoon, the whole flap over this Chris Rock, Will uh, Smith slap heard around the world is a bunch of nonsense. Who cares? It's two multimillionaire celebrities squabbling at an event where they hand out trophies to congratulate themselves. And yet seemingly the whole world has these deeply invested takes over this. And I don't know why. I have not been able to figure that out over the last winter to happen. Sunday night, so 48 hours, almost 48 hours. I watched it live. I never thought that it was a hoax. I'm like, okay, I guess we all just saw that, right? And then, you know what I did? It's a secret that I'm going to share with you right now. I got on with my life. All of this, especially coming off of the news that did bolt me up and had me doom scrolling all day Saturday when I did wake up, the death of Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins. And it's not just Taylor Hawkins, another musician that died too young, had his life cut short, maybe by drugs. That's kind of the preliminary indication, but, you know, however it happened is however it happened. Foo Fighters were just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame late last year on their first ballot. Taylor Hawkins was Dave Grohl's right-hand man on one of the best rock bands ever. Now, again, you may not like Foo Fighters. They may not be your cup of tea. That's okay, because you know what? Music is one of those things that everybody has their own personal opinion on it, and nobody's right and nobody's wrong. I love Foo Fighters. Because for however successful a lot of bands are, they don't always seem like they love what they're doing. Foo Fighters, they're one of the only bands that, number one, can sell out any venue they play. And unlike a lot of bands, they just have the, this, this love for their fans and, and for their music. I never got to see them until last summer when concerts were just starting to come back. And first they had uh, the first major concert in Milwaukee since the start of the pandemic. It was last July 31st at American Family Insurance Amphitheater. It was and will always remain, and not just because Taylor passed away less than a year later, it will always remain one of the best shows I had ever been to. And now Dave and Taylor, they, they played off of one another, they riffed off of one another, 
It was infectious. Thing is, Taylor Hawkins, he was a fantastic singer, fantastic artist, did some solo projects on his own. Right when he joined Foo Fighters in the late 1990s, he was Alanis Morissette's drummer. And Foo Fighters was born out of the ashes of Nirvana, where Dave Grohl was the drummer. How do you play drums in the band that's fronted by Nirvana's drummer anyway? That's a question that Taylor Hawkins asked himself a lot. So, all Foo Fighters music tonight. And before we jump into the show, and we've got a lot to get to over the course of the next hour, this is just a taste of how frontman Dave Grohl and his drummer, the late Taylor Hawkins, kind of work together on a, on a typical evening. Times like this, times like these, one of the best songs that uh, that they ever recorded and so poignant for so many things especially in the last couple of years where we were living through this pandemic times like these you're just trying to get through and they did and oftentimes they'd start really slow with just Dave and his guitar and then the rest of the band would join in And it would start like this, and then you would hear the crowd, you know, when Pat gets his guitar on and when Taylor takes to the drum kit, and it was off to the races. This live. One of the great highlights. I, and I don't go to a lot of concerts. There are some people who are concert people. I mean, Chuck Freeman, who uh, you occasionally hear on 97.3 The Game. He's been to over 100 REO Speedwagon concerts. Eh, it's not my jam. I do like a good concert, but I think the most I've ever seen any one band, I think I've seen Rush maybe six times. And I think I've seen the Goo Goo Dolls three or four times just because I keep stumbling upon them at Summerfest, who, by the way, released their schedule, which we'll go over a little bit later on in the show because I've got some thoughts on that really strong lineup this year as well. But not surprisingly, this afternoon, Foo Fighters released a statement saying that uh, they're on indefinite hiatus. They're not going to be playing any more of the shows that they had already scheduled and for good reason. Um, Alongside Dave Grohl, just the heart and soul of, again, one of the best bands ever. I was silenced over the weekend, and my friend Josh Adams, who who, um, I went to college with at UW Oshkosh, part of their traveling group, uh, traveling party for many years, the uh, director of the video. So if you see the the video screens, yeah, that's that's my friend Josh. And he was in Columbia when Taylor Hawkins passed away over the weekend. So very sad news, and uh, we'll be 
celebrating Foo Fighters and the life of Taylor Hawkins throughout the entire show. All right, on to the business at hand. Learned this today. Richard Ryman from the Green Bay Press-Gazette, um, he writes this morning, Packers tease possibility of undisclosed major event at Lambeau Field this year. And then Kyle Cousineau, who is someone who in Green Bay breaks a lot of news, he found out what it was. This is big, by the way, if you're a soccer fan. If you like European soccer, it doesn't get a whole lot bigger than these two teams playing at Lambeau Field on Saturday night, July 23rd. I don't know if it's a night game or not. Manchester City and Bayern Munich. They're going to play a friendly at Lambeau Field, according to this report. Tickets will go on sale in early April, which is next week. Official announcement also coming next week. Mm. I do. I, I want to go to that. You don't get a whole lot bigger than those two international clubs. Uh, Manchester City in the Premier League, one of the, the best teams in the Premier League over the last decade or so, Bayern Munich, one of the most historical uh, European football clubs as well. And they're going to play a friendly at Lambeau Field, according to this report. And the Packers in Rich Ryman's report, uh, the Director of Public Affairs, Aaron Popke, who I've known for about 25 years, uh, Aaron Popke did not disclose what the event would be or when. Past major events at Lambeau Field included concerts by Billy Joel and Paul McCartney and a University of Wisconsin-LSU football game. The Packers have said that they would like to hold a major event at Lambeau Field each year, but were not able to in 2020 and 2021 because of the COVID pandemic. Well, this would qualify. It's not a concert, but this will sell out like that. Whenever tickets go on sale, it will sell out just about immediately. All right. Now, speaking of the Packers... And speaking of the NFL, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, they are at the owners' meetings in Florida. And Brian Gutekunst spoke yesterday, so we'll hear from him first, and then we'll hear from Matt LaFleur coming up in just a moment. And the first thing that Brian Gutekunst was asked is, of course, this is already, and we haven't even gotten to the draft, been one of the most consequential off-seasons in Packers history. Certainly recent Packers history because of the trade of Devontae Adams and bringing back now four-time and for the last two seasons NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers to a monster contract but having to say goodbye to the best wide receiver in the NFL. So Brian Gutekunst was asked yesterday, was there any other any other way, any other thing they, they could have done to change the outcome of Devontae Adams being traded to the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, not at the end of the day. Um, again, th- those are really tough decisions. And um, to lose a player of his caliber, you know, and, and what he's done for the organization is always, a, it, those are hard things to move on from. But at the same time, um, you know, I think uh, once we got, you know, through the discussions with Devontae after the season, this, is, this was what was best for the organization and Devontae moving forward. Did you have an idea even during the season that it, it might be going this way, or at what point did it become clear that there was no other option? Yeah. Not really during the season. It was more after the season as we got through some things and had, had discussions afterwards. Um, but again, I think, um, you know, he, Devontae deserved a lot of respect as we went through this process, and we felt we gave that to him. Um, and we're very straightforward, open and honest with the communication part of it. And just as we got through it into free agency and we were um, moving on with that cap number, I think the best thing for the organization is to, is to move on. Yeah, the Packers really were in salary cap hell last year, and they're going to continue to be in salary cap hell for a while. They've got a lot of dead money coming up. Whenever Aaron Rodgers does decide to call it a career, a career that it's 
almost a fait accompli at this point, and I think for good reason, is going to be spent entirely in a Green Bay Packers uniform. But if there is a silver lining in this, it's that getting rid of Devontae Adams, at least for next season because they put the franchise tag on him, getting rid of that $20 million on the cap hit, yeah, at least it allows them to do some other things. It's like everything. I talk about the dominoes all the time, and there are some dominoes that uh, were important to us that uh, if we were continued on the road we were, um, it was going to be difficult to, to put the team we wanted to put around, um, you know, Aaron and everybody. So I think uh, it, two different situations, but, um, you know, I, I, we wish him the best and his family the best, and I think ultimately this is what he wanted. And that having been said, how tough is it being told that a player wants out of your organization? It's always tough, but I think at the same time, understanding the reasons behind it, and, um, you know, I won't get into that, but, if, but understanding why uh, that was important to him um, was important for me. And again, he, you know, he's, he's a special player, a special man, and uh, we're going to miss him. But at the same time, um, I feel really good about the group we have, coming back, the team we have, and um, we'll kind of see what we can add to it over the next few months. All right, that was Brian Gutekunst yesterday. His head coach, Matt LaFleur, took time out of his schedule today to meet with the media as well. And as you might suspect, the first question posed to Packers head coach Matt LaFleur was first about Aaron Rodgers and how all that folded into the Devontae Adams situation. received a text message that confirmed that Aaron was coming back, and uh, I was in an offensive meeting, so it was a pretty exciting meeting. I actually darted out right away just to make sure I read it the right way before I, before I let anybody know. But, um, you know, I, I would say that I had pretty good feelings about it throughout the course of the offset, you know, or since the season had ended up to that point. But until you know, you really don't know. So, um, and then, you know, the, did you ask about Devontae as well? Um, yeah, that was just, again, one of those things that those decisions are never easy to, to make. And unfortunately, it was one that. You know, we had to come to. I think a lot of it was driven by by Devonte. I would tell you, um, but you know, there's no sense in looking back on it. It's just we're moving forward. So, and and we we appreciate everything he's done. Obviously, it's it's a lot to replace in terms of the production and and the type of leader that he was for us, but. Again, it was just one of those those deals that you never want to make, but unfortunately sometimes you have to, to yeah, make. Yeah, and the Packers did have to make that very difficult decision. But, look, Matt LaFleur knows that it's going to be very difficult to replace, if you even can use the word replace, a guy like Devontae Adams. I think you can never have enough great players, enough guys that can make those big explosive plays because typically I would say that when you're able to create those explosives, a lot of times that leads to points. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy to replace by any stretch, and I think we're going to have to do a great job. And let's face it, there's six months before we have to kick off. So I would envision a lot is going to happen between now and between now and opening day. In other words, what it's going to take is a total team effort. Yeah, I think it starts, it's, it's never just one guy, right? And what was great is, that, you know, we were able to get the majority of our defense back in place. Um, we're really excited about some of the additions that we've, we've made there, um, you know, with a guy like Jaron Reed and um, get Rasul Douglas back. And, um, 
Devondre Campbell obviously was a key piece to that, and then what we were able to add uh, special teams wise with a guy like Rich Passaccia to kind of cha- change the culture uh, in, in that regard. And then, but I, I do think when you're talking about your team, I mean, it, it typically starts with the quarterback. So by getting a guy of his caliber back, I, I think that definitely. You know, puts us in a, a pretty good position. Now we're going to have to do a great job of filling in the spots around him. And not that we don't have good players already. I think we do. I think you look at our backs. I think we got two backs that are dynamic, legitimate number one running backs in this league. So, um, and then you know, it was good to get guys like Bobby Tanya back um, in the fold. And but we're going to have to we're going to have to add to our team certainly through the draft and. I think there will be other opportunities out there along the way to continue to add talent to our team. And one of those players that is coming back, of course, is the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers himself. So Matt LaFleur was also asked about the timetable for Aaron Rodgers and the timetable for his decision that ultimately resulted in him coming back to Green Bay and also getting on track and on the same page with his soon-to-be New teammates? No, not really. I, I think he'll go as long as he wants to go. I think he's he's got not only the the talent and the mind, but the way he takes care of himself is as good as I've seen. He's super disciplined in, in terms of everything he does, from what he puts into his body to how he how he prepares physically, mentally. Um, so, I, yeah, I, those aren't. Those aren't uh, conversations that we have regularly, so we're just going to take advantage of the time that he is with us and, and continue to try to work and grind to, you know, hopefully someday be able to get a Super Bowl. Yeah, that would be nice, certainly. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, so far with no plans to retire, and it uh, doesn't sound like the head coach is in any hurry for number 12 to hang him up either. Now, The other part of the Packers' offense is that there are significant staff changes as well. Most notably, Nathaniel Hackett. He's the new head coach with the Denver Broncos. Luke Getzey's the new offensive coordinator with the Chicago Bears. So there's going to be some other new faces that the players, including the quarterback, are going to have to get used to. But also, there's some continuity as well. Adam Stenovich, for example, Uh, the offensive line coach, promoted to offensive coordinator. But the guy who's calling the plays is still going to be the head coach. Still, there are some moving chairs that everybody's going to have to become familiar with. Yeah, I I would say with in regards to Hackett, I mean, he was pretty established when he came to us. Shoot, he's been calling plays longer in the league than I have. So it was great to to have a guy that had done it before uh, to can just constantly we were bouncing ideas off each other and and we it really when we came together it wasn't about my offense or his uh, his offense it was about how do we make this the Green Bay Packer offense and that takes obviously uh, the talent of the players that you have certainly some of the things that Aaron likes to do was was a big part of that and um, you know it was it was it was a lot of fun working with him for three years, and he did such an outstanding job of kind of helping keep me organized. Um, we're certainly going to miss him. It, he's a tough guy to replace, but we feel pretty confident with just, I would say, how we've worked 
not only as an offense, but as a staff and, and, you know, it's a collective effort. So these guys have been exposed to, like Adam Senovich has been exposed to a lot of the things that we've done. Certainly we've got a guy like Jason Brable that had a, has a big impact on our passing game and he does such a great job with our wide receivers. It's great to get a, an old head and Tom Clements back in the, back in the fold. Um, you know, he's had, he's got a lot of great ideas and, you can tell he, had, he, had, he must have been thinking about ball every day when he was away from the game because, um, man, he is, he is as sharp as they come. So I can see why he was so instrumental in, in the development of Aaron, and I'm excited to add a guy like that to our staff. Matt LaFleur at the owners' meetings speaking to reporters in Florida on the state of the Packers, among, uh, among other things, talking about how... They are not putting any kind of timetable on how long Aaron Rodgers wants to play. Also, some staff changes replacing Devontae Adams is going to be an entire team effort. But he was also so excited that Aaron Rodgers was coming back, he skipped out of a meeting just to make sure that he read the text message correctly. I've done that, not with Aaron Rodgers, but did I read that correctly? Hang on just a second. I do know that coming up straight ahead, we're going to change gears entirely and talk some college basketball. No, not about the teams that are still playing, but one team that would definitely like to sniff the NCAA tournament again sooner rather than later. Well, they've got a new coach. I'm not talking about Marquette. I'm not talking about Wisconsin. I'm not talking about Green Bay even. The Milwaukee Panthers. Their new men's basketball coach, Bart Lundy, is going to join us live coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. I'm Doug Russell. This is the Game Night. Welcome back in. The game night continues. Doug Russell with you on this Tuesday night. By the way, I got a text from KB. I was talking about how our own Chuck Freeman had been to over 100 or around 100 REO Speedwagon concerts. Uh, KB uh, wrote back via text and said he's been to 57 Bruce Springsteen shows. Mercy. That's a lot of Bruce. Joining us on the program right now as we... Switch gears. The uh, Milwaukee Panthers, they've got a new men's basketball coach, and uh, it's its a big job. And Bart Lundy has had a lot of success at Queens University and um, in the South Atlantic Conference. 21-3 and three in conference this past year, 30-4 and four overall, 16-6 and six a year ago, 27-5 uh, and five the year before that. I mean, it's one winning season after another, and that's not something that the Milwaukee Panthers have seen a lot of lately. Hopefully things can turn around. The new head coach of your Milwaukee Panthers, Bart Lundy, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us here on the game night. Coach, I appreciate the time. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, Doug. How are you? Doing. Uh, I'm doing very well as well. I guess I should say not welcome to Milwaukee, but welcome back to Milwaukee. This is your second stint in our city. It is. It is. I spent three years uh, at Marquette with Buzz Williams and, uh, got to know the city and uh, and the landscape a little bit, and happy to be back. My family and I are are excited about being a, a part of this community. Uh, I guess the first question that I have for you is: if you, I, I'm you're at a an event with uh, alumni tonight, so you didn't uh, have a chance to hear my first segment. We were talking about concerts a little bit, and uh, 57 Springsteen shows for Kevin Brandt, who's on. I think you're going to be on the show with him tomorrow. Have you seen anybody anywhere close to that? What's What were we talking about as far as the, the Lundy musical tastes here? <laughs> well, I, I, I love some Springsteen and REO Speedwagon and 
but no, I'm I'm uh, I'm not even uh, at one. So, and I don't know anybody that can match him. <laughs> I know some I know some musical uh, uh, fanatics, but uh, you know, you, you, that's that's getting into uh, some deadhead. Uh, realm there so that's pretty impressive yeah you haven't met kb yet you will all right um you're taking on a a pretty big challenge there's no secret uh what you're walking into the panthers haven't been what you would call a a successful program both in terms of wins and losses as well as fans at the arena what attracted you to this job and this challenge well, there were a few things. Uh, you know, I think uh, when when I when I uh, evaluated the job, and uh, Amanda Braun uh, called me and kind of uh, told me about what they had going on, uh, I looked at it uh, from the perspective I had when I was at Marquette, and we played in what was then the U.S. Cellular, uh, and played a pretty good game with the Panthers and and to a packed crowd in a in a loud arena. Uh, I looked at uh, the new uh, oh, how practice, uh, facility that will be open in the fall. That's a game changer for, for the, for the Panthers. And then I, I looked at 200,000, uh, alumni of which 85% live in this state. So, uh, I don't, I didn't see Did we lose them? why they couldn't draw people. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, a, a great job that should be, uh, they should be winning some ball games and championships. Well, you know the landscape here in Milwaukee. You kind of alluded to it uh, when you were at Marquette and playing the Panthers in front of a packed house at the arena. Is it enough, though, to just win, in your opinion, in order to draw fans to the arena? No, it never is. You have to have uh, a combination of, of winning, obviously, but you got to have uh, players that people want to root for. you got to have some uh, some local flavor on your roster. You've got to have a, uh, a coach and a coaching staff that's uh, willing to get out in the community. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to get out there and embarrass myself however I need to to, to get folks to be interested. Uh, you know, but I think there's a blueprint here. You know, it might be, uh, be need to be dusted off, but uh, it's been done here before and it can be done again. Well, I think you may be referring to Bruce Pearl, and uh, he's someone who certainly was charismatic when he was the head coach of the Milwaukee Panthers, led them to the Sweet 16, as you know. Um, I can't ask you to compare and contrast yourself with Bruce Pearl because I think he's kind of singular, but what are the things that you talk about that blueprint? What about that blueprint is there that you can kind of pluck from not only your time with Buzz Williams, but also what you saw from Bruce Pearl, what you know about the community, what you know and are learning about the league? What is that blueprint that will stack successes? I'm using an old Mike McCarthyism, but will help you stack successes. Well, we want to stack successes with, uh, with, First of all, you, you want to you want to build your roster and and kind of put a fence up around the state. Uh, you know, it's a it's a, a job where uh, you get them out of uh, initially out of high school, and if you don't get them initially out of high school, you can get a lot of kids that uh, that go high and want to come home. And uh, I don't I don't think that uh, they've had a lot of success doing that. As a, as I analyze the roster, uh, I think that you can stack on just playing good basketball in a league that is, uh, you know, the, the Milwaukee job should be one of the top, uh, you know, maybe the best job in the league with resources in the city and a place to uh, practice facility now and an arena that you, you play across from where the Bucks play. I mean, I can, I can sit a kid 
in the um, in the Panther Arena, go to the back window and look across at the Fiserv Center and say, "You're here, but you want to get there. Let's let's get that done." And I think you you can you can build a great team here. Yeah, it's one of the most historic buildings, as you know, in the country as well. I mean, for crying out loud, the Beatles played there once. Kareem played there. His home games there. Uh, there's there's been so much that's gone on in your building. Having seen, though, the inner workings of the Marquette program, I want to talk about that specifically for a moment while you were on Buzz Williams' staff. What can you replicate at Milwaukee that you saw at Marquette to get this program to where you want it to go? Uh, well, you know, we at Marquette, you have, in essence, unlimited resources. So with unlimited resources, you have... Um, everything that a player needs to be the absolute best they can be and in every area, not just ball, but academically, um, you know, developing them as, as men. Uh, and, and I think that those resources are great, but you can do it with, without just money. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a really terrific city. Uh, so if we need sports psychologists, they're here, you know, we're in a, we're in a pro town. Uh, you just gotta you gotta leverage your resources, and you gotta you gotta build it to where a kid looks at our program and they know, hey, if I go if I go be a Panther, I can I can become a pro, I can become the best person, I can become the best student that I can be, uh, and you know that's what I saw at Marquette. We we maximized everything, and everything mattered, and uh, there's no reason we can't do that at Milwaukee. Milwaukee Panthers new men's basketball coach Bart Lundy joining us here on the game night on 97.3 The Game. As far as your play on the court, how would you describe it? It obviously worked at Queens University, been very successful uh, at that level. How would you describe what fans are going to see when they do come to the arena to watch your team play? Well, you'll see you'll see really tough uh, man-to-man defense. We're, we're gonna, we'll pick up full court. We'll make uh, the other team earn everything they get. Um, you know, offensively, we're going to, we're going to run make or miss. And, uh, I've, I've told this to a couple different folks, but what I'd like for you to see is that the other team looks like they're playing uphill. And when we get the ball, the floor tilts and we play downhill and, uh, you know, it's not, I don't play much different, you know, I have my own little, little tweaks on things. But, uh, when I got to Marquette, uh, Buzz and I were pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, on the same page as far as how, he liked to play how I like to play. Uh, there's there's kind of a, a bit of chaos in there and um, guys flying around in great shape and, and uh, you know kind of terrifying the other team. What have the conversations been like with your players in the first week or so of your tenure? Have you got a, gotten a chance to sit down with uh, any or all of them? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were on the court today. So, uh, you know, uh, zoomed. I didn't get here till yesterday, which was tough. It's uh, you know a week. They were on spring break last week, but uh, it's, it's been good. We we uh, we zoomed with the team and then uh, had individual phone calls with each one and learning about them and their families and what makes them tick. And you know, being around them the last two days has been great. Um, but you know, a long way to go. Uh, it's not you know get this turned around, but. You just come in and roll your sleeves up every day and uh, get these kids to play hard. Well, I guess it uh, starts tonight. You've got an alumni donor social that uh, you're about an hour into that I uh, made you duck out of, so I'm going to let you get back to that. Coach uh, Bart Lundy, now of the Milwaukee Panthers, used to be at Marquette, so at least you don't have to learn new neighborhoods. You're you're already familiar with the uh, 
the city. I wish you luck and the best at Milwaukee, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There he goes. Uh, Bart Lundy, new head coach at Milwaukee, and uh, appreciate him ducking out of the alumni donor social that started, like I said, at uh, 5.30 a little bit more than an hour ago, but I think that's his biggest job. And I said that when he was hired. And he alluded to it during our conversation just then. It is not enough to just win. It is not enough to just put a quality product out on the floor. I mean, if you look at his record, his record is exemplary. His team at Queens in North Carolina, it's not like the Queen City, North Carolina. There's two Queen Cities, by the way, which is weird. Charlotte and... Cincinnati, for whatever reason, but I digress. Um, Queens University in North Carolina, they won 30 games this year. Last year, they went 16-6. and six. The year before that, they won 27 games. In 2018-19, they won 31 games. This is a guy who knows how to win, but he also knows and is smart enough to know that's not going to be enough because the Milwaukee situation devolved into something that was dreadful the last several years. It was uninspiring basketball that nobody wanted to watch. But there is an opportunity. And I think that that is the moral of this story with Marquette, or with uh, Milwaukee, with the Milwaukee Panthers. I mean, this is a team that it's getting further and further in the rearview mirror, but 16 years ago, this is a team that was in the Sweet 16 for crying out loud. This is a team that for years, not just under Bruce Pearl, but then under Rob Jeter, this was a team that was regularly in the conversation for being the best team in the Horizon League. This was a team that has gone to multiple NCAA tournaments. I think that Milwaukee made a terrible mistake when they fired Rob Jeter because he was somebody who knew the program, respected the program, and had success with the program, but they wanted more and more and more. And then they hired Laval Jordan for a year, but then he went to Butler. That was his alma mater. And then they bring in Pat Baldwin, and it just didn't work. His son, Patrick Baldwin Jr., late of Sussex Hamilton High School, he was thought that you know he was going to be the savior this year. Well, that didn't happen. And obvious that, uh, you know, he's gotten some advice that he's going to go pro. I wish him well. I hope he has a great career, but it's not going to be based on anything that we saw this season. Yeah, he was hurt for a lot of it. But Bart Lundy's job is to not only win, which he has shown that he can do. He's got to sell, man. He has got to sell this program. And winning will help. But you've also got to have players that fans want to root for. There are so many UWM alumni that are in the Milwaukee area. He alluded to some 200,000 within the five-county area. UWM alums that are desperate to have something to root for with their athletic programs. They've had some success with women's soccer, but, I mean, the bellwether of this athletic department is men's basketball. That's it. That's where your budget is made. It's just like at a football university. You know, I remember when the Wisconsin Badgers were awful in the late 1980s. 35 to 40,000 empty seats every Saturday when Don Morton was trying to cram the veer down everyone's necks. And instead, he got punched in the throat repeatedly by every team in the Big Ten. 
Then this guy from Notre Dame comes in, their defensive coordinator, guy by the name of Alvarez, and he comes in and he changes the culture. Yes, by winning, but also by, as Bart Lundy said, you throw up the fences and it's like, all right, we're going to keep our kids here and we're going to win. And Bart Lundy's not going to get the same kids that Marquette can get or the same kids that Wisconsin can get, but he should be able to compete for any kid that would otherwise go to UIC, that would go to UW-Green Bay, their Division three. I mean, we, we've got the best Division three programs in the country here in Wisconsin. There are some players that are playing Division three basketball that could play at Milwaukee. It's his job to find those guys. So... I wish him well. It's a big job. It's really going to be a big job. But if you're looking for somebody who has the background and somebody who can at least put together a winning program, I think Bart Lundy might be that guy. Now, can he continue to sell? Can he get butts in the seats? That's going to be the challenge. All right, coming up next, Summerfest has released its lineup for 2022. It's a pretty damn good lineup. Also, some other sports thoughts as well, including, I didn't realize there was something that for the last century plus has been askew with a baseball diamond. Well, the minor leagues are going to try to correct that, but it's something that nobody ever really thought to do until now. But when you think about it, it makes sense. We're going to hit that coming up straight ahead. I'm Doug Russell. It's the game night. Back into the game night. Saw this cross the desk today. Minor League Baseball is going to experiment with moving second base just over a foot closer to home plate during the second half of the season this year. And when you think about it, it's like, why are they futzing around with the field? Um, because they measured it, and the change actually draws attention to the fact that second base has been slightly misaligned for over a quarter century, and this move aligns it more uniformly with first and third base. Who knew? So, bigger bases are coming next year, and we'll see what this does. The, the hope is that by moving it closer to home plate is that there will be maybe teams that want to experiment more with stealing second base. Maybe it will create a little bit more offense. Anything that they can do, well, I shouldn't say anything that they can do. Many things that they can do to try to spruce up the game uh, I'm a, I, I'm on board with uh, putting a runner at second base in extra innings is not one of those things. However, that's gimmicky and it's stupid. What is not gimmicky nor stupid is Summerfest, and it is coming back uh, next June 23rd through the 25th, and then June 30th through July. So this is how I, this, I don't know how I feel about this yet. They take two breaks. So June 23rd, 24th, and 25th, then they take a break. Then it's June 30th through July 2nd, and then July 7th through the 9th. So they're breaking it up into three weekends, basically. Extended weekends, if you will. And got a good lineup. 
this year. Really good lineup. Your headliners, and this is in order, uh, Jason Aldean with Gabby Barrett and John Morgan. Justin Bieber is going to be there on the 24th. June 25th, uh, Lil Wayne, Wiz Khalifa, Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, They still have not announced a headliner for June 30th, but they will. Machine Gun Kelly with Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne is going to be the opener for Machine Gun Kelly on July 1st. Halsey will be on July 2nd. Rod Stewart on July 7th, followed by the Backstreet Boys on July 8th. And Thomas Rhett will wrap things up on July 9th. That's at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. But there are also some other good acts that are going to be on some of the side stages as well. Uh, let's see. Charlie XCX, who's going to be there? Dustin Lynch is going to be there, among others. He's going to uh, uh, be on one of the stages. Third Eye Blind. Alessia Cara, among others. Bare Naked Ladies. Violent Femmes, Blue Oyster Cult. One that I'm really looking forward to is the band called The Tubes. I don't know if you remember The Tubes from the 1980s, but they had one hit. Summer of 1983. And if they get away with not playing this, we riot. thinking of going to this one i don't go to a lot of like i said earlier in the show i don't go to a lot of camp concerts but i might go see the tubes an underrated banger of the early 80s Also, Howard Jones is making an appearance from the 1980s as well. And, of course, the band that you hear occasionally here on 97.3 of the game, the Smithereens coming as well. So it'll be a good show. It'll be uh, a bunch of good shows from June 23rd through July 9th, staggered. But uh, it's good to see Summerfest back in the summertime. go see the smithereens too all right we wrap things up and we will play you out this was last week this was taylor hawkins the late taylor hawkins who as i mentioned earlier in the show he could also sing you couldn't just play the drums and played the drums marvelously like a virtuoso but certainly at the show that i saw last july 31st at the american family insurance amphitheater he got out and sung a queen song which is what he did in his last performance, which was about a week ago. Nobody knew that it was his last performance. But he loved Queen. And that's how we wrap up tonight's show. We'll see you tomorrow night.
Better. I got something better. Laura. So 